0: is Athletics Life Stories, with your host, Chris Broadbent. Then I think Asaka soccer I just felt like a, an intruder, almost not ready for it on the mm. big stage. I remember when I was going for a British record, and I don't know, I think the 400 was about to start or something, Christina Rugu's is having to wait for me. She was quite a queen bee, I think. She didn't really interrupt us, interact with us common folk. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Athletics Life Stories with myself, Chris Broadbent. Today I'm joined by Kate Dennison, now Rooney. She was once a torchbearer for UK women's pole vaulting, taking the mantle from Janine Whitlock and onwards to Holly Bradshaw. She's a Commonwealth Games medallist, seven times national champion and once finished sixth in the World Championships. She is, of course, also partner of previous guest, 400 meter runner Martin Rooney. Kate, it's good to see you.
0: Yes, hello. Thank you very much for that intro. I liked it a lot
1: good it's like Mr and Mrs isn't it so we'll get his version of events <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it
1: could be fun good 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 so tell us about you about you uh you're from South Africa aren't you originally you were born there
0: yep uh born there both well dad was from there Mum Zambia um but I think the line stops there on my mum's side and her parents are British so um yeah when things started to change in South Africa we jumped ship so I was Four when I left and I see myself as British, born up British, um, but I quite like to hold on to the heritage of South Africa as well, so sit on the yeah. fence a bit. <laughs> Have you got any memories of being in South Africa as
1: a, I mean, four's a young yeah. age, but.
0: <clears throat> yeah, um, I think it's probably more I mean, remember leaving, <laughs> It was probably my mm-hmm. only memory, that was a big deal um, and I think I remember holidays when we went back, we still had family there for quite a long time, so it was still a part of my growing up and Um, Yeah, I think my parents sort of still are big on their heritage of what we grew up from even though like they fully brought us up British. So yeah.
1: Okay, okay. And then was it, did you move to the north of England?
0: Um, Yeah, so they live um, in Old Sager, which in between Stoke and Crewe, so Hmm. Midlands I suppose. Um, And yeah, they're still there now. Um, Yeah, so I moved up to Loughborough uh, after university and yeah, kind of been there ever since. Right. Okay. Uh, and and you were, qu- were you quite sporty as a as a, a young girl? Yep, definitely sporty family. Uh, dad very sporty, rugby, athletics, everything. Mum swam for Zambia, so she was a swimmer. Oh, really? Brothers, <laughs> yeah, yeah, big bro- brothers. Both older brothers, like one gymnast into so sort of European junior level and Commonwealth level, Um the other one did uh, swimming and then biathlons and triathlons. So very sporty through and through, like the South African kind of sport is life kind of way. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, it's in the the DNA then, isn't it, for you then?
0: (laughs) Yeah, we didn't know anything else. (laughs) Uh, Good.
1: So what what did you do then? Was it straight into athletics or did you you do a few things at first?
0: Um, Yeah, I did gymnastics uh, with my brother um, and I think I did that up until about 13, 14, um, like national level, so enough that I experienced the um work ethic of the gymnastics worlds. Like I think I remember training sort of five, six days a week as a gymnast by the end of my career. Um, and then when I think when I started pole vaulting, it was like one day a week. I was like, what is this? Where's the rest of this? If you know <laughs> what I mean? So um yeah it was a smooth transition into athletics. And like obviously as I progressed the training built up but it definitely was um a lot lighter volume than what I remember being a gymnast and a lot more fun as well. Gymnastics was pretty intense. Um, but I think it taught us, um, yeah, a lot of mental toughness as well um, and yeah, just a different world, I think, so, to athletics.
1: Mm. So was it uh, a local club in Stoke you went to for athletics? Yes, yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's, um, it was City of Stoke Gymnastics Club, but like, you know, Jazz Sawyers was from that club um i can't remember some of the shea misses that i think before hurdler he's from that club uh steve lewis obviously paul volta he went to that club as a gymnast so it's produced quite a lot of olympians um mm. and high-level athletes along the way so there's um, a little bit of a network of uh, athletes that have come through that club so yeah
1: okay okay and when did the athletics become serious for you then
0: um i think when i like i I took to pole vault quite easily and so I think I remember going to like world juniors after training for a couple of years and I still wasn't on a full time program or anything and it was almost I stumbled across European juniors and world juniors don't get me wrong I wanted to target them but it was still very much fun I didn't feel like it was intense as some of the juniors are now Um, and then I think I went to university maybe went backwards for a little bit experienced the university lifestyle Um, And then I think of my third year of university, I was in uh, Stokes, I went to Stafford Uni and I started commuting across uh, to Loughborough uh, once a week, twice a week, trying to get some pole vault sessions because Steve Rippon had quite an established pole vault group across there then. So I think, and then when I finished, I took the move to move to Loughborough and I think that was a sort of milestone in my athletics career that I wanted to give it a go um, with not a lot of money and, you know, try and work for it and set myself up in a a full-time group so it went from sort of training two or three days a week up until the age of sort of 21 and then all of a sudden the Steve Ripon program which was Mm. six days a week rest day was swimming and that kind of thing so it was pretty intense but again I think that background in gymnastics it was I I was ready for it so yeah
1: yeah yeah just, just, just give us, a, give us a, a taste of what it was like going to the, you mentioned the World Juniors there in Jamaica. That's quite an exotic first trip, isn't it? To go to Jamaica, to Kingston, Jamaica. Um, tell us who is, you know, what you remember of that, who was in the GB team? Because it was also, that was Usain Bolt's first. um Yeah. He was it this was. Dang, dangly 15-year-old, wasn't he, who was, you know, already smashing the opposition out of sight, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, I think the Jamaicans had a very strong sprint team that year. So, and it was a phenomenal experience. Um we had a very small team because it was Jamaica so the standards to go were pretty tough. Um, I think I remember qualifying on the last possible chance to qualify um, at the Champs Um, and again yeah I mean there was a small team. Um, I think Jeanette Kwachi was in it, Martin Bernard, Rhys Williams like a lot of the guys that came through onto the seniors in my era um, came from that team and I think because it was such a tough team to make. I think we got three medals but I'd say none of the medalists actually came through, if you know what I mean. And sometimes mm, I think that happens mm. in juniors. You do get some amazing successful junior teams of like the Jazz Sawyers era and they all went on and medaled, whereas I think it was almost the guys that were a little bit behind that kind of stepped up onto the senior team after that. So um yeah, it was um it was impressive. Like as I say, the culture it was crazy out there. I remember like we were on the bus, the crime rate was huge. We were told not to leave the hotel, not to go anywhere on our own. I think on one of the buses it was shot at um and no one was hurt or anything like that but yeah it was just a step into a different world and I think just remember meeting like Americans and stuff there and like they'd never traveled or left America and so you meet different cultures and it's a a big step into the the scene on a smaller scale but um you definitely feel like you've made it
1: (laughs) yeah definitely yeah well you're 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 going to the four meters at that point I think but you didn't you didn't really kick on like you you didn't really kick on for the next couple of years but that's just the student life that just got in the way
0: yeah i think so um i think i learned pole vault like just from being the next gymnast having a little bit of speed being too tall to be a gymnast and um yeah able to swing i suppose and then it's almost like i then had to go and learn how to pole vault and again i think steve turned me into an athlete um physically um and sort of also mentally as well like helped me step up to a bigger stage where it wasn't just just fun there was targets um And I think sometimes you have to go backwards a little bit to go forwards when you've kind of had a bit of success, like four metres then was a junior record. So it was success um, young. And then, yeah, you have to almost learn your earn your stripes um, after that. And I think that's what we did. We went back to basics, um, trained hard, got physically conditioned. um, And then again, I I suppose with the story of Steve Rippon, I think I got to sort of, I mean, he took me from four metres to four sixty. But even then, I think I got stuck at four forty. Uh, for a little while and was quite content of being the best in the UK at that point and I thought that was my limit Um, and then I think he just pushed me in a way, he pushed my buttons in a way that knew how to get the most of me. He was pretty intense, um, a very tough work ethic maybe and he just kind of said look Kate I'm not getting the best out of you so do you want this or not and he kind of gave me that ultimatum at that point um and I think then I sort of stepped up again um to the next level and actually wanted to try and make it on the world scene but he kind of probably knew how to get the most out of me mentally without me realising it at the time.
1: Mm. This, uh, you were training alongside Steve Lewis at the time weren't you as well so it was you yeah, yeah I mean yeah, we had parallel careers in many ways didn't you, you guys?
0: Yeah I, I suppose I like he moved to Steve the year before me like obviously we came from the same gymnastics club we obviously had the same coach in Stoke um and then he moved to Rip and I followed and um, so, yeah, like we we had a I, th- I suppose we had probably more of a brother sister relationship. We yeah. didn't always see eye to eye on everything, but I suppose we we're also striving for the same things. And it was maybe competitive. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure. But um, yeah, we'll probably also help get the most out of each other and push each other on as well.
1: Mm. Good, good, good. So you went to the Commonwealth Games as well in in Australia. And that was, uh, well, quite a good experience for you, wasn't it? Seventh place. Uh, yeah, uh,
0: I- I- you were in the, the mix,
1: though, weren't you, for the, uh, the medals, weren't
0: you? Uh, I think I was close to it. I think 25 medaled, and I think I jumped 15. Or maybe I, I can't even remember. But, um, yeah, it was it was my first step onto the senior stage, I think. And I had that nice progression of Commonwealth, Europeans, then Worlds, and Olympics, if you know what I mean. I, some athletes just you know go straight onto the Olympic scene and then get to experience the Commonwealth, which is like the friendly games. Um, and that was a, a great experience out there on training camp. And, yeah, just, again seeing what it was like on that big stage like it was an amazing atmosphere out there in Melbourne Um wanted more from it I was also a last minute addition I don't think I qualified there I think the qualifying was the year before um, didn't make the cut and then I think they had some you know England always have extra places creep up <laughs> as they move on and I, I think I'd booked to go skiing thinking my indoors was over and then I got a late minute call up um, last minute call up and I was like Steve can I still go skiing he was like just don't get injured <laughs> so yeah <laughs> But that's what I mean. It was still fun, I think, at that point. Um, you could still make decisions like that and go skiing before the Commonwealth Games. But yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, and out there, you also met Martin as well. That's where you and Martin first uh, got together, wasn't it?
0: Yep. that's where we met. I think, well, we were both training in the same centre, but probably didn't cross paths as often. Um, and, uh, yeah, we met out there, I think, both in relationships there. So it was all friendships then. And... <laughs> <laughs> all right. So,
1: okay. I'm sure it's fine now. I'm sure it's fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can be open about it now. <laughs> oh, good, good. So I guess from that point on, was in back to your athletics career, you, you did step onto the world stage and it was the world champs and the Olympics the next two years, you know, real big time athletics. Um, what did you take from Osaka in 2007 and, and, and the Olympics in 2008?
0: yeah so i think again i think it was me not really stepping up to what i was making the teams it was obviously um uh, an era where Paul vault was still being established so mm-hmm. um i was a 440 jumper making teams um and i don't think i fully believed that i should be there i was obviously happy to be there and it was my target mm-hmm. to be there but that was enough and I, I wasn't quite had the mindset to go on and try and make finals at that point i think uh beijing had that all like whole experience of first-time Olympic Games and I lapped it up um I think again I'd had a horrible build-up to the Beijing Olympics like been hurt I had to prove fitness to make the team um made the team but I think because of the bad preparation I just went out there to have fun and obviously then jumped like an equal pb was 15th just missed out well say just missed out on final but uh, close to making final, and I kind of enjoyed that one a lot more than I think Osaka whereas just felt like uh, an intruder almost not ready for it on the big mm. stage right
1: okay, 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 and then the next but the next year you're you are building up here and that's that's your best year wasn't it two thousand and nine I think it's bad, so. yeah,
0: and i think I think that's when Steve was so frustrated with me that like I could have such a terrible build up, go and jump well, jump four forty off the back of barely any training that year, um I had some Achilles issues um and then yeah i think i had a reset i had to have killie surgeries after that um and he just yeah managed to tap into my mindset to make me want it a lot more and actually believe what i was capable of and i mean he had a way of getting the most out of me he always had my back which was great so I, i knew he believed in me but he had to be tough on me to get the most out of me um and yeah he's. I don't think it was for everyone. Like, um, like he, he we joke now and say he cut me from four meters to four sixty, and he'll say, "Yeah, kicking and screaming." Like, it's almost like I didn't want to get there, but he was <laughs> determined to get it out of me. Um, and yeah, that little reset. Like, I remember the Achilles surgery and thinking I wouldn't have an indoors, and then just building again and learning to enjoy it again. And um, yeah, not taking it for granted to be able to pole vault. Like, um, I think when you get your first surgery or injury, like, it gives you that thirst for it a little bit more. Um, you don't want to take it for granted, just indoors, outdoors, indoors, outdoors, because it can be quite intense. I think as a vault, having the double, double season every year, and I yeah. don't think I missed one like in the whole career. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a big year for you, that yeah. you were breaking the British record then, weren't you? You were taking the mantle off uh, of Janine Whitlock. Um, did, you have, did you have a relationship with Janine at all? Was she still around at that time?
0: think she was just sort of finishing her career as i was then yeah. kind of coming onto the scene so i mean she was an inspiration I, I kind of felt like my career was just a bat and hand over to holly
1: <laughs> like mm. i think
0: janine established a lot i'd like to say i uh, had a little bit of input into british Paul Volting, and then holly came along and took it to the next level which is what we needed um but yeah i thoroughly enjoyed that two-year period of 09 2010 and just being in such a confident zone and You know, I was just rocking up to meets, lapping it up, just in love with the sport again. Um, And yeah, thoroughly enjoying it, not taking it for granted, enjoying the experiences that came my way. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place. Like Texas, you've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. And I mean, you're in that rare, um, I guess around
1: that time, you're in that rare position where you could just you could break the British record, you could, you could at least attempt to break the British record and nudge it up by a centimetre every time. I and mean, you can't do that in every single event, obviously, but you were in that position where you could nudge it up. And, and let's be honest with you, make a few quid as well. <laughs> <laughs> you did make a few quid, didn't you, that year?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, it was a good time. Um, it was a good couple of years. Um, but as I say, you don't make a lot of money in athletics and so you don't get into it for the money either. No. So I think I was just taking that money, investing it, and then it was done. Um, so I did enjoy it. Like, I don't... I, yeah you've obviously got to play the game a little bit and you were in an opportunity as a jump to put the bar at whatever you want so um and then holly came along and just put it at like 470 or something i was like okay cool <laughs> it's dead <laughs> <laughs> those days are over then <laughs> no days are over thanks holly
1: because <laughs> I, I thought i said you made fifty thousand pounds that year from like just nudging up the bar uh, to records is that right that?
0: Um, I have no idea. Like, obviously, the bonuses were—I think there were five thousand, like dollars or something—is what they paid in right. the British Athletic Meets, and I think I could do it twice indoors, twice outdoors, and obviously there was like uh, bonuses attached to, con- like Nike deals and stuff like that. So I, I, yeah, never idea, no idea what I made, but um, it was just a good couple of years.
1: Get <laughs> rewarded for the hard work, yeah. Eventually, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and like you said, and, and but but
1: you know, aside from the records, it was um, yeah, British records. You were actually. Getting, getting somewhere on the world stage, aren't right? You Because sixth, sixth place in the in the Berlin World Championships was a um, good result.
0: Yeah, that was my um, my 1-0 against Yelena Wissambayeva, so I'm taking it. She no-heighted that meet, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, again, just, I mean, it was me competing. at. I think my PB was 58 at the time going in there, so it was 55 to qualify, and then a 55 again in the final. So um, that was a good game. I re- just always remember Berlin, like I think we came from call Room to the stadium to warm up and there was just this note on the walls saying just remember to smile and have fun or something like that but it was just what I needed at the time just to relax and remember you've done the hard work to earn here and your right to be here and go and perform like it's an opportunity if you know what I mean rather than um, getting too intense. It was a little bit more pressure obviously on that event because I now had the potential to make final, whereas before I was trying to jump p v s to make finals, whereas I should be in the final now, or at least try to be. Um, and then, yeah, I was just trying to perform again, two days back to back. or well, I think one day in between, but yeah, mm. um, it was a good chance, um, my fondest memories. And then like, a little bit disappointed sometimes when you get closer to the medals, I think 65 medaled at that one. So it would have been an opportunity, but like looking back, very happy with how it delivered. Right
1: very good yeah and the next year you did get a, a major medal, but the commonwealth games in delhi but uh, not the color i wanted but <laughs> should have been better really shouldn't it yeah well, i mean was that the, you did go in his favor that time what was the uh, what was the story there then
0: uh, i um i think it was it was a double champs year obviously europeans and air uh, commies and obviously it was october um, we thought we had dealt with it. Every, like had like a week off after the, the summer and then built again for October. So then I don't know if I just didn't get it right. I remember being in the shape of my life maybe a week before and clearing some amazing bars. And then I just got to the commies I was spent. Um, I just I did give it everything, but it was all I had. And it wasn't enough on the day. Um, obviously, very disappointed at the time. I think Steve was very disappointed. It was our last competition together as well. He moved on after that. Um uh so it was frustrating. Um but then again I was just like determined to enjoy it at that point. I've been to too many type too many comps where you've looked back and thought you were disappointed at the time when you shouldn't have been. So I was like, you know what, a medal's a medal, I'm gonna take it. It's my first medal outside of a British champ. So um yeah, I tried to enjoy the moment. <laughs>
1: what's what's the tactical approach in the pole vault as well because it's uh it's not you can't pole vault all day long can you so when you go into these events do you have do you have like a set this is my this is my i, I know what i can achieve this this is where i'll start uh board from there or does it go on a case-by-case basis from different events against different athletes how, how do you how do you plan that all out
0: yeah i mean i've tended not to compete crazily against other athletes obviously t- tactics can play a part later on in the comps and um, when you can choose bars if the increments decide to go up in five centimeters you can play the game then but i think at the start you want to get a bar in on a comfortable pole that you're happy with and then generally in the competition you move up poles as the bar goes higher um so that's kind of your tactics you might not have a crazy amount of control over it if the bar's going up in 15s they're solid trunks um so yeah I mean you probably go in there with a loose plan um but it's also about being adaptable on the day and I think it's probably the biggest advice I can ever get to people is being adaptable on the day and what you're faced with.
1: Okay okay. Okay and then, and then 2011 2011 is when Holly Bradshaw started to to emerge really. Um what was the, what was the impact on that for you? Did you was that uh, <laughs> was that terrifying? Was that good for you or
0: <laughs> She just um Holly just came not came out of nowhere she'd been bubbling on the scenes but yeah, just a phenomenal athlete. I think at the end of the day, I just I believed I could have jumped higher, but maybe got caught up in what Holly was doing, um, and maybe got a little bit deflated. And she just came onto the scene, and I felt like she was more talented than me. Like that was quite a, a humbling experience of this kid coming along and just wiping the floor with me day in day out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she. So she maybe. Obviously, well, it's changed the dynamic of me. I'd had it all my way for a couple of years now, uh, for quite a long time, really. So, yeah. um, I think it was exciting for everyone else, and I, you always have that, um, that thought process that like everyone wants you to fail, if you know what I mean. So, I suppose I got a little bit bogged down in that, and it felt like it was me against the world then. Um, but I lost, maybe lost my direction a little bit, and it became comparing myself to her rather than staying in my lane. Right. Okay. That's
1: interesting. It's very honest of you to say that. Yeah. 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 But you you obviously, you were were going to the Olympics this time, weren't you? The the Olympic Games in London. Was it it always going to be your, was it always going to end there for you? Or what was your mindset going into it?
0: I think I had an inkling that I I found 2012 not as fun to prepare for. Like there was obviously a lot of barriers and to make the team, like you had to do it between certain dates, you had to do it multiple times, you had to do this, this and this. And still it was like 4.50, PB's obviously 4.60. So I'm still jumping with like close to my well not limits but what my personal best was so um it just kind of took the fun out of it a little bit I think they tried to prep us for our home games but I feel like I'm not sure they quite got it right in prepping us for our home games and it just became a little too intense and um didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would obviously the stadium was phenomenal and the experience of the Olympics was phenomenal but the build-up was pretty stressful just to even make the team um and um, yeah, I think I fell out of love with athletics a little bit. I do regret not having one more year of fun because it was such an intense year. Um, obviously, I had been spanked by Holly <laughs> a few times. Um, and But I mean, you know, the year after she was hurt a little bit, so I could have had a little bit more fun or even just learned to fall in love with pole vault again. I think I've fallen out of love with it for a little while. Um, so, yeah, it was not as fun as I wanted it to be, but yeah. Was there, was there anything you could take from
1: that? I mean, I, I do get this from a lot of athletes. I, I, I do totally get it. You know, it's such a massive build up. But if you don't succeed, it can be and it's hung over you for a long time. It can be um, quite deflating. But was there any enjoyment you could take out of it like all the spectators did?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean. As I say, you were like a superstar while you're out there. So the whole atmosphere actually within the village and just walking around London with your pass on, like it was a gold card to London. It was amazing. Um, And obviously, like I cleared a bar. Maybe It was only one bar, but I cleared a bar and I heard the crowd like roar for me. And that was still something that I'll cherish forever. Um, Obviously, the games didn't go to plan. And and probably the first time I ever did anything crazy on the pole vault. I was very safe pole vaulter and didn't make a lot of mistakes and then, then ended up back on the track. So, um yeah, like, so there was still some good memories from it. And it just wasn't the the happy ending I wanted, if you know, what I mean, and then also, even if I did have it in the back of my head that I might retire, I didn't get to go and compete after that, because I'd broken my wrist. So um, it was kind of pulled away from me a little bit, even though it was my decision. Um I just wasn't sure I was going to invest all the time and energy that I thought I'd need to carry on. Um there was obviously changes to coaching setups. And Various things that played a part in that as well. So yeah, it was a bit of sweet. Like I I don't have any regrets, Um, and I'm still grateful to have made that games and experienced the home games and experienced that roar. And as you said, like being a little celebrity for a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, But yeah, I think learning from it. Like and what I try and teach my guys now is like, you know, you can't get sucked into um, doing the sport for anyone else. If you know what I mean, you've got to be in the moment for you and just enjoy it. Um, yeah, just ignore everything else if you can. Uh, Ignore the pressures of family and ignore the pressures, like, because all of a sudden your your mum, your dad, your next door neighbour, your dog, your cat, everyone's there at that game recruiting for you, but you can take that the wrong way. Um, And, yeah, I think I probably let that, I crumbled. Right, Okay. Okay. But then
1: then you were were quite young, though, weren't you? 28 to walk away, really?
0: Yeah, very young. Like, I I don't know why I, I thought I was so old. I think maybe part of it... Being a gymnast for quite a long time, like that was quite an mm-hmm. intense time. Um, and as I say, I didn't miss a season. So like from stepping onto the senior stage in 2006, like I didn't miss an indoor and outdoor season. Uh, like some of the champs I didn't make or I chose not to compete at, but I competed, did an indoor and an outdoor season the whole time. So um, I was just exhausted, I think. Um, and I just maybe could have just walked away, maybe not done an indoors and maybe prep for a summer or something just to enjoy it again. I, there was chat about different setups. Like, I think Charles wanted to send me to Formia and just to train with Elena or something like that. And so, okay. big moves that were talked about. I think Scott, who was my coach at the time, was about to start working with Holly. Um, so, that setup would have been different. It might have been fantastic, if you know what I mean. It might not have been, but I wasn't sure. Um, I felt like a few decisions were taken out of my hands. Um, and so, there was going to either be some big changes to a different setup and go again. or um, and I definitely would have been taking off funding as well. And I was very lucky to get funded um, for my career. And that obviously helped. And I like I'd invested well, I could have invested in myself for another year, but it does change the dynamic as well. And so, yeah, a few things played the cards and I walked away at that point. As I said, I don't think I regret walking away. I might, my body's still in one piece. And I've seen a lot of coaches that are my age or older that are like, you know limping around because yeah, <laughs> of yeah. the, the the toll that athletics can play on you whereas uh, i'm still fighting fit at the moment
1: <laughs> good 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 so i get you finished now but i guess like looking back on that on that you, you, that time in athletics there uh, did you have and pole vaults are you know it can go on the, on the home straight go in the back straight it can go in the infield you can have pole vaults in shopping centers you can have pole vaults on the streets i assume you compete in all these these different scenarios oh, yeah. yeah what suited you best what did you like best it's uh like hundred percent. The street league. vaults. Yeah,
0: um, was it? Yeah. The street vaults, like the vaults, like a Paul vault family. It's like its own event away from athletics sometimes. And we we went to a lot of street vaults in Prague, in Germany, like. All these various ones that were just, um, they just got the setup right. You know, they'd have the beer tents, they drew the clout crowds, they were around shopping places, if you know what I mean. And like people just, even if they didn't know about Polo, would come and love it because it's, it can be a spectacular event to watch. Mm. And I don't think the broadcasting gets that all the time. And I understand that athletics is many sports in one sport. Um, and so trying to get that mix is tough. But um yeah, the Street Vaults were amazing. Um, Some of the diamond leagues were phenomenal as well, like Zurich and Brussels are two of the most fun diamond leagues you'll ever do because at the end of the season you're exhausted, you're just going on autopilot. But like the banging of the drums and the atmospheres and those diamond leagues are amazing as well. Um, And then obviously, like I did always live for the championships. Like that was always my goal. There was always the championships to try and make or do well at. So I think being in them was me in my happy place like i don't always didn't always get the results but you know that's being a competitor like you put yourself on the line to try and get the most out of yourself so um and then indoors was fun like again just jumping on the boards the raised ways. we did a lot of leperche meets so the renault's meets in france where they set up their boards and they were always good fun Um, you know you have your own your own music choice to jump to and that kind of thing. In your centre stage, there's no no sprints going on or (laughs) endurance running around. It's all about you um and then back in the day in Birmingham the old Alexander they used to have the pole vault on the home straight which I just loved because it's like we're in the way of the yeah. sprints I don't care no, you have to watch me <laughs> I think I remember when I was going for a British record and I don't know I think the 400 was about to start or something Christina Rugu's is having to wait for me to attempt a British record I'm like this is where it's at <laughs> but,
1: yeah Good, good. And then, and then just, 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 yeah, just to get into some, some of the technicalities of pole vault, because it's not, um, this is a second nature to you, but to a lay person, and, and uh, I, I include myself in that. Just talk us through some of the things we see in pole vault. So, you talked about, so first of all, the sticky hands. What's the sticky hands all about? The black hands you guys have.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so that's obviously a choice of grip. Um, so, like, I don't know, like Mondo doesn't, I think he uses chalk, that's it. Um, Quite a lot of the Americans only use chalk. Uh, it was kind of a Russian thing back in the day. They used to start using the black tape and they'd use like sap or spray like a spray glue. Um, the main thought behind it obviously when you compete in some of the hotter climates your hands can get sweaty and sometimes chalk and sweat or um, yeah it doesn't go well together and so obviously there's a chance of slipping off the poles so that was to counterbalance but then you kind of get addicted to the sticky <laughs> so it it just feels more comfortable like I was an open hand grip person as well so like in terms of carrying the pole here right rather than them carrying the pole like this. So yeah,
1: on, the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on your thumb and...
0: Yeah, and so I just, yeah, the, okay,
1: yeah,
0: okay. I just put the, the, the black, as the, so it's black tape and then the sticky would draw out and so that's where you got the black hand from. Um, obviously I had times where I put too much sticky on and I got stuck to the pole as well So, I was, <laughs> and that that was a, a tough one for me to take. I think it was um, 465 so I cleared the bar and kind of got stuck to the pole. And uh-huh. third attempt, and yeah, that was frustrating. It's still a one that <laughs> <laughs> sinks deep. Um, so, but yeah, so that's different different ways of gripping the pole. Um, so, so some people just use the white tape with the chalk, and then the other option is the black tape with the sticky. I think some people go white and sticky too. Like you can either use like carpet adhesive, like just spray glue. Yeah. I used to use lighter fluid to get the, the sticky out of the black tape. So Really? Um, lighter fluids, um, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So okay. good good job um taking that around the airports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect to see lighter fluid in an athlete's kit bag, but yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: taped up. So
0: yeah.
1: Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y Y.com. com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure,
0: or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there
1: to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com
0: slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
1: And what about people talking about the length of polls as well? I mean, you know, again, t- total layperson, stupid question, but why couldn't you just pick the longest poll and just launch yourself, you know, into orbit?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, s- I suppose that's it because you're trying to launch yourself into o- orbit. So if you're like obviously taking a longer pole, you're gripping higher on the pole, you're further away, so you've mm. still got to make the pole um, go past the vertical. And so obviously, and you've got to have the speed to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, obviously there's um, Renault's, sorry, uh, Mundo's, like, they're one of the fastest pole vaulters we've ever seen, and so he can grip very high on a very long pole, um, mm. and that's part of his success. But um, pole vault has come in all different shapes and sizes, and that's what I love about the event. Okay, speed is key, but you know some of them are taller some of them are shorter like some of them yeah are giants um and so like we almost find a way to make it work for us but yeah i mean i jumped 460 on a 430 length pole and 461 on a 440 length pole so i got an extra centimeter out of using a longer pole with a slightly higher grip so timing comes into it and also as the pole gets longer the bend in the pole is higher as well so um again it's just tight ty- it's different timing you've got to time up with that ben now and um yeah pole vault's a minefield
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it's it's complicated that's for sure yeah what, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, when when do you know as a pole vault you're running down the, the runway there when do you know because you see pole vault's bailout at a certain point w- at what point do you know this is going to be good or bad what's what's the moment
0: um <clears throat> i think i think for me i used to almost have that feeling sort of two or three strides out like I knew I was going to tap the box like I had that set up feeling that this was going to be good and I was going to be in control but at the end of the day you try and finish the jump no matter what um, and that's like sometimes I finished some awful jumps and cleared the bar especially when it's your opening height if you know what I mean it doesn't have to not everything has to be perfect so having that ability to finish a bad jump is also important as well but yeah I don't know. I suppose when you um, you bail out, sometimes you just got that feeling that Paul hasn't um, got past the vertical, and it's time to look at Plan B. <laughs> right,
1: right. Gotcha, gotcha. You've mentioned you've mentioned um, obviously she's an icon of the sport, Simbaeva, uh already. Yeah. What were your experiences with it with Simbaeva?
0: Um, she kept herself to herself in competition. So you know, towel over the head, stayed away. She was quite a queen bee, I think. Um, she didn't really interact with interact with us common folk. <laughs> um, I think the events changed quite a lot since then, um, and even the rest of us all got on quite well. So yeah, um, she she was an interesting character that I couldn't say I knew her well. I think I'd seen her at a couple of like post um, event meets in a different light, but <laughs> yeah,
1: um,
0: yeah, on on the track she was. Yeah, she, she had it all her way, like um she was so far I mean again like she jumped 506 the problem with pole vault is I don't think everyone jumps as high as they can if you know what I mean um in their career so she definitely could have gotten a lot, lot higher than that from what, what I remember
1: and, and how do you how do you regard I mean she's she's obviously a, I assume she's somebody you reference as a, as a as a great athlete but she's do you separate out of the athlete and the ambassador she is I mean she she has been involved in some controversies around you know lgbt and and <laughs> and also around you know and, and yeah. i'm not really being particularly uh outspoken about um you know uh, uh about the doping in the sport as well i mean i'm not i'm not saying she's she, she is she's um there's no reason to suggest she was she was ever anything but a clean athlete but she's not been a champion for you know clean sport yeah, either has she
0: i think she, she obviously put women's polvo on the map and so that's how i saw her Um, I think aside from that, I wouldn't have said she was a fantastic ambassador for the event. Like, as you said, there was a couple of controversial. Like, she didn't hold herself as like, you know, super polite with all the girls and all that. that. So um, there was a couple of controversial issues around how outspoken she might have been um, around things. So, yeah, I think it's just I was just grateful for what she did for putting Women's Polvo on the map and having her in there, like having Mondo in the men's, it's all about the men's right now and having that figure It's just so important for field events, if you know what I mean, because it just brings so much more attention to the event. Um, And obviously the girls are all doing amazing now, but I think to get a couple more girls back over that five metre barrier will help the women's event as well right now. Um, And a lot of the girls like Holly, Katie, Kat, they're obviously probably getting on towards the last couple of years of their career. So like post 2024, like there's Nina and a few other younger guys coming up. But you want to be able to see that the event's still going places and it's that controversial you know i'm sitting on the fence here with regards to the belarusians and the russians not competing but you're taking out a sort of 490 480 girls um that help the event move on obviously it's great that there's still amazing girls that are still competing around the 480 mark and 490 mark but i still think having um just having those girls that are attempting five and being up there helps the event as well and makes it spectacular as long as they're not bringing along with them the baggage of what they might be standing for which is definitely not right but politics then comes into sport as well and it yeah. gets frustrating that it becomes about politics and not sport
1: yeah tricky yeah tricky uh so, so you mentioned some of your coaches as well so you had steve ripon and, and scott simpson was late uh, was later on was your coach too as well yep. tell me about the, the styles of those guys and how that's, <laughs> how that's has impacted up on you
0: yeah they're very different styles um Obviously, Steve Rippon was really fairly established pole vault coach, um, and it was definitely not my way or the highway. But like, I it was a tough relationship. Like, I don't think he always was that empathetic to women, (laughs) but (laughs) at the same time, if something worked, if you know what I mean, like he took me from four meters to four sixty. Um, he got it out of me when I probably didn't believe in myself. He always had my back. Um but yeah it was a style that it's not going to work for everyone and I think I understood that as well um like and then obviously Scott was definitely a development coach um and so I suppose I was always sort of maybe played second field to Steve Lewis in the coach-athlete relationship which I, I don't think I minded that much it was fine I got on with it like um and then I think I think Steve left in tw- either 2009 or 2010 but um it the transformation then to Scott, who was development coach, like I obviously knew he had fantastic technical knowledge already um, but he hadn't obviously experienced the taking athletes on the elite level. So I think it was just as much of a learning curve for him as it, it was for me as in my last two years and maybe I became like I remember maybe became, I don't know, a little bit of a queen bee myself. I don't know <laughs> I, if you ask Scott how how he dealt with me. But I think I must have changed because I was so used to being second best and then I was the best and I probably didn't realise that the right way either. So it maybe didn't work for me. Maybe it worked for me not being the best in, in in the group or not being the queen bee and having to sort of work for that attention. And then the tension was on me. And if it wasn't, then I got a bit <laughs> but, um <laughs> I'll say that now. <laughs> obviously, at the time, I was an absolute dream to coach. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think we both learnt a lot. Um, we probably both made mistakes. Um, I think Scott learned a lot. And probably he was probably still learning. And then when he went on with, to coach with um, Holly and obviously I had Dan Path as a mentor then as well. So mm-hmm. I think uh, he probably learned some... Uh, Learned a lot from working with me, and then took that on to work with Holly. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting change.
1: That's good. But well, you're doing a bit yourself now, aren't you? Well, it does. it's been for a few years now. Your own coaching. So you've got uh, Owen Heard in your stable, haven't you? Yep,
0: so yeah So and- I've mainly worked with girls so far, and then this last year and a half, I say I've mainly worked with girls. I worked with university athletes as soon as I retired almost, and most of those were the boys, and that was good fun. And then. I think I came back to coaching a little bit more seriously. I started working with Ellie McCartney um, who's Northern Ireland slash Irish Walter um, and um, that it was just the two of us almost um, at the start and then the group grew and there was a couple more girls and really different levels really enjoyed that and then um, started working. I've been working with her for a while but um, I think last year we started working Um, together sort of in terms of he's had some injuries in the past and then he was injury free so we developed from then and obviously he had a fantastic year last year and really broke out onto the scene but again my job was easy with him he was sprint hurdly and speed and speed in the tank Um, and it was just about again getting him to enjoy the sport again not be too serious and I think he'd always been told he was quite talented and not quite sure how to unleash that talent, um, and obviously his career path went like that. And it's still going to be challenging for him moving forwards. And he's got lots to learn. I think going from like a club athlete to, um, you know, the Commonwealth Games in a matter of months almost. Um, mm. so that was quite a, um, a journey in itself. Um, and I think again for him, he still needs to have fun with the, fun with the sport, and not take it too seriously too soon. Um, Ellie's like. I think she was slightly different she was nearly out of the sport like lockdown um played a role like was struggling to find the right setup and yeah we've probably saved each other being silly. like i was struggling a little bit with the lockdown like there wasn't much coaching going on like is this what i want to do and um yeah i think there's athletes that you can work together and we're very similar-minded so it's very easy um but i think part of being a coach is also working with athletes that um you're not as similar-minded and you like i think the hardest thing as a coach is you can put a program together you can coach technically you can do this but it's like learning to get the most out of that athlete which that's what the journey I'm still on at the moment and finding out how they tick like you've got to make some really important decisions in the thick of the moment um, and have that control and understanding and trust over each other which is something I definitely had with Steve um, and Scott um, but it's really important to have that and yeah, so it's just challenging, challenging role at times, because you would get so many different personality types with so many different assets, and trying to find what works for one person definitely doesn't work for others, so it's a minefield out there of um, trying to get the most out of someone.
1: Have you have you got the same level of, of ambition you had as an athlete, as a coach? And do, I mean, do you want to go to, do you want to take these athlete, athletes to the Olympics and the rest? Is that where you yeah, want to get to?
0: I'd, I'd love to, I wasn't sure for a while, like, and one of the hardest things about coming a coach is finding that uh, balance between family and um, doing what it takes to get the most out of these athletes as well and you kind of get a lot of guilt that I have as I love my job which doesn't feel like a job it feels like a hobby that um, I'm fortunate enough to do and you have that guilt of loving it as much as being a, around your family and stuff so it's finding that balance and what works um, so yeah I'd 100% want to take them as far as I can but I think that's part of it is taking athletes that. I get to work with as far as I can, whether it be Commonwealth, European, World, Olympic level, it's getting the potential out of them. Um, And again, just finding that balance of how much you put into that um, without the guilt of, yeah, it's given me the enjoyment that I had as an athlete. Mm -hmm. It's given me the sparks, given me the drive. Um, You become a little bit obsessed with it, but as long as you're still getting that time to switch off when you're at home and um, switch back into family life. But, yeah, I just feel very lucky and blessed to be able to do what I get to do at the moment. So I'll hold on to it as long as I can. Hmm, hmm.
1: Well, you're still staying fit, aren't you, Kate? Are you look, you're looking fit. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you must keep busy. Are you, are you down the gym or what? What's, the, uh, what's the,
0: going on? I, I don't know, really. Like, I think, um, again, I'm sur- I, I work in a high per- work in a high performance centre. You, you're just oh, dipping out yeah. throughout the day. It's just having a playground. Like, I still enjoy doing a bit of gymnastics I still enjoy climbing I still enjoy lifting weights sometimes whether running I I flitter I have no program I just flitter between doing what's fun and I think that's what exercise is for me there's no structure to it anymore like there's so much structure in being a coach and putting programs together and then yeah I, I think uh yeah being fit and healthy is important to me but um yeah you're just on the go so much it's not a desk job at the end of the day is it so um and I think coaching sometimes when you start coaching at 8 in the morning till like five six o'clock at night like you, you're on your feet you're emotionally involved it's you're not performing but yeah it's not sat at your desk all day and you, you don't really get time to be distracted or do anything else so yeah, it keeps yeah. you fit and healthy it's good I recommend it
1: <laughs> so yeah well I try to but I'm not at that level. I haven't got a high performance center on my doorstep <laughs> yeah.
0: uh,
1: so what so if you were to grab a pole vault tomorrow then what would you be and launch up in runway again what do you reckon you'd be getting what do you reckon the bar would
0: be at <laughs> uh I um I play sometimes like okay. I always said if I could reach four meters again I'd be quite happy but um I don't I yeah I don't know I'd, tr- I'd try to get close to four meters would be fun But um, I'd I'd probably get obsessed with it, so I'd try to stay away from it. Try to avoid it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I understand that, yeah.
0: Good, wonderful. Well, thanks for your time today, Kate. It's been great to catch up with you. No, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Athletics Life Stories with Chris Broadbent. Please tell your friends and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.